What can an in-depth dive into the life and death of Marilyn Monroe teach us about mental illness? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with FunWise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. We're going to talk about one of the great icons of the 20th century, Marilyn Monroe, tonight. And um, what can we learn from Marilyn Monroe's life, death, and legacy? Anyway, we're going to talk about Marilyn's life and and, and how it can help us uh, deal with uh, some of the things that she had dealt with uh nina bosky is a mix of entrepreneurship media executive transformational energy life and business coach author and producer she's got two projects in the works right now uh for the 60th anniversary of marilyn monroe's death uh marilyn behind the icon a dramatic podcast about the entire life of marilyn um, monroe and a tv docuseries that deals with the mental health and addiction and the correlation between the two uh i believe uh, season two actually launches today of that uh series along with the actual investigation of the star's death breaking down for the first time fact from probable theory and outlandish uh rumor and theory and stuff like that uh ladies and gentlemen please open your ears open your mind and help me welcome in Nina Bosky to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Nina, welcome. Hey, hi. Nice to nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to have you. Now, this uh, you know, it's a subject that obviously is very interesting to a lot of people. Marilyn Monroe. You say Marilyn Monroe, and all of a sudden you generate interest. But I don't think most people think of it as. Um, something that can be necessarily a self-help or a um, a learning tool for people. So what inspired you to go down that road? You know, that's a that's a great question actually, Matt, because here's here's the thing is that in my old life of media, 
uh, when my company first got started, we would take movie themes and in the media, whether it would be television or radio, we would talk about those movie themes as they related to life. So we would talk to the stars and we talked to the director and writer, et cetera. And so it wasn't met whether or not the movie was good or bad. It was a theme. And so always being in entertainment, most of my, my, my background. And then when I started my company, it was life, business and media and really getting people to be inspired about their life. So when this project came to me um, more than several years now, uh, I, I didn't know that much about Marilyn Monroe. And I wasn't thinking there was going to be some big message in her life and legacy. I knew what everybody else knew. And then when I started really diving in a little deeper and I started to ask myself, because I got more into the inspirational and transformational space, why am I doing another entertainment project again? And what came forward was actually a, a very unique soul. How she's been really portrayed in the media is her character, Marilyn Monroe, but it's not really at all who she was. And then I started looking into her death and really investigating her death and realized being in the, you know, transformational space in terms of mind and health, that I started to look at addiction and mental illness. And I said, wow, you could utilize this person's life and really see some really big life themes. And one of them is, I think, for people that are dealing with mental health and addiction issues, the correlation between the two. But we probably have a loved one that is dealing with it or somebody that we know. And so when you look at that and her life, even though she only lived to 36 years old, she was really a seeker to try to help herself. The unfortunate thing back in 1962 is they didn't have the right treatment for her diagnosis. They were giving people heavy barbiturates. But today, you actually do have a lot of resources that deal with, in her, her case, bipolar. She was already diagnosed with. She had a depressive disorder. And probably today, back then, they didn't call it borderline personality. But she had probably a combination of that. We can't say that for sure because, you know, I didn't diagnose her, nor did that was her treatment. But uh, when you put those together, let's give people hope because most of her life was a huge visionary and a resilient, strong woman, human being. And most people don't realize that. They just look at her as, as tragic. Okay. Uh, a couple of questions, well, a lot that stem from that answer. First of all, you kind of uh, put out a psychological profile of her. How do we know that being that nobody who could have possibly actually uh, um, sat with her in, in therapy uh, could possibly be alive today? How do we know? How do we know? She was diagnosed with borderline personality and depressive disorder. She, she was? was? Yeah. In, in her time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there's uh, where is that? Is that documented somewhere? People? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very heavily documented. She also in our podcast, the opening podcast of season one opens with her in the psychiatric ward of of Payne Whitney in New York City. So it, it's heavily documented. It's just that most people don't know that. And they just look at her as, oh, she was a troubled soul or she had mental health issues or she was, you know, she was difficult. But 
they didn't realize that people that are dealing with acute mental health issues and her family had a legacy of mental health issues. So when you look at that and the treatment back then, um, they didn't diagnose her in a way that um, back then they were just giving people a lot of, they would give you a, a B12 injection with lace with heavy barbiturates and call right. it, oh, this will help you out, right? So it's a very different time than it was today. And so we always have to put it in those standards back no then. No doubt it was a very different time. So, uh, and I'm not being judgmental here at all, but this is just so interesting to me because I think in today's world, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think there are laws that would prohibit that even if like, a very famous person were to pass today, there'll be HIPAA laws keeping their... their stuff confidential no was well a- let me just tell you this i was shocked when we did this so our 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 podcast is based on gary vitaka robles's um best-selling book one and two is third volumes coming out but he is a mental health professional so gary and i um you know i'm more in the coaching transformational world he's he deals with a lot of people that have this diagnosis so he and i have delved deeply into borderline and bipolar you know disorder but one of the things that's really troubling. And this, this has nothing to do with 1962. This has to do with these doctors. They were very distracted. Three months before she died, she was diagnosed with 900 pills, 900 pills. Nobody should have 900 pills. 700 of them were sleeping pills. Wow. So, you know, somebody was not doing their job right. And the, the combination of those drugs are lethal. So Regardless of what you think happened to her or didn't, these doctors in today's standards, not yes, you know, 1962 standards, but in 2022 standards would have probably been brought up on charges. Wow. So um, (laughs) uh, maybe I'm cutting to the chase here and I don't want to I don't mean to do that. But so she wasn't murdered. Is that that well, I I wouldn't say that. What I will say is that um, I went into the investigation of Maryland and like most people. So when people meet me, one of the biggest questions they ask me is, well, what happened to her? Right. So that you get that. And I think that was even the thing is like, Oh, what happened to Marilyn Monroe? My own assumption, which is a lot of people's assumptions based on either the books they've read or the documentaries that have already been out there. What most authors and documentary type, uh, you know, producers do, they have a story in mind. And so the story blends facts with probable theory and outlandish rumor, kind of like what happens in the general media or mass media today. And so you as the viewer, the listener or the reader are then thinking that it's fact because how I spin it, it looks like it is a fact. And so I think, oh, my gosh, she was murdered by the mob. She was murdered by the Kennedys. And yet when you dive deeper into it, I think the truth is more fascinating than the rumors because I went into this thinking it was the mob dealing with the Kennedys and you aren't going to change my mind about it. It took me over time to really be open to looking at a different truth and also being open-minded to what the truth was. So if I go into something thinking that this is the truth and I'm not open-minded to see something else, no matter what, I'm not going to be able to change my mind. I mean, it's really hard to change somebody's belief system, what they've got in their mind, that what I believe is true. Give you an example. There's a lot of documentaries and some books out there that have gone on record saying that Marilyn Monroe was either given a, uh, a suppository or an enema, and that the housekeeper was 
uh, washing the sheets in the middle of the night. In the docu, uh, in the in the investigation series that we did before this podcast, we come to find out Marilyn Monroe just bought her house. She hadn't even furnished it yet. Her laundry was sent out. There was no washer and dryer. And you know how many documentaries that's on? I've watched them. Right. This is just unbelievable. No, I've heard that too, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but when you say, you know, because I never, you had a, uh, a belief about it. I've never had a belief about it. I've heard so many things. I leave the possibility that she was murdered, which is why I asked she wasn't murdered, because we were talking about it just, uh, I guess, last week sometime, or somebody in one of the conversations, <laughs> I have so many of them, but somebody brought up the fact that she was murdered. And I said, was she? I don't know. I've heard that as a possibility. But such a complicated life, how does one begin to unravel the actual facts from... It's hard. That's what, If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's right. not easy. It's very painstakingly difficult because you'll... I'm going to give you an example. We launched an episode today, Soul Sisters, which is literally a dramatic podcast. And we put these uh, uh, pictures, collage of pictures on our website. I was going through these pictures of happy birthday, Mr. President, and I'm seeing these. Oh, this is good. This is good. And I go, God, I've never seen this picture of Marilyn and John F. Kennedy. So I'm like, oh, this is great. This is up close and personal one. I've never seen this one. I should have checked with Gary. I didn't. I send it to the web person and he saw it and he goes, Nina, that's a fake one. And I go, oh, my gosh. Uh, even myself, who knows a lot. It's easy. And then there's this watch one coming around. If there's a watch that, it, you know, if you see it, it basically looks like an engraved watch. It was done in the 70s. It's photoshopped. And it literally says uh, to um, to John, love Marilyn always. And then it has the date for his birthday. And it's a fake. It's fake. So but people, if you, as the, as the, like if you saw that, you think, oh, yeah, you know, she gave him a nice, beautiful watch. Of course they had an affair. <laughs> But are people well, obviously going to profit off a watch like that? But not much. You're not going to get rich doing that. Or maybe are. Maybe I'm being naive about it. But so the people who are prop, uh, propagating these uh, rumors and stuff, is there a financial incentive or is this is just about? Yeah, yeah. If they write a book and it's sensationalized, of course. You know, you got Robert Slatzer, who was a he wrote a book way back when he was. Here's the positive side of I always look at things more balanced. Don't always throw out the baby with the bathwater. As an investigative journalist, I think that's where it's death if you do that. If you go, oh, this is it, right? You got to be open to what's, you know, what are some of the truths in what this person is saying and where is the probable theory now, outlandish rumor. So here's a really good thing that this man did. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the 1982 DA report. But here's the challenge. He's part of the reason why these rumors got started. He goes on record saying that he was married to Marilyn Monroe. He was never married to her. Wow. And he has one photo of her and him together when he was on the site set of Niagara. And it's a, it's a press photo. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, and, and I watched these documentaries back in the day and I was like, wow, she was married to this guy too. Wow. She's married three times, not four. And it was not to Robert Slater. She barely knew him. He wasn't even in her address book. <laughs> So wait, we have Joe DiMaggio, we have Arthur... Uh, the, the, Arthur Miller, and uh, you have her first marriage, which is Jim Daughtry, I who is, she married at 16. 
I wasn't familiar with him. So yeah. now, uh, maybe again, I, I hate to skip around here, and because I'm not following any chrono- chronolo- chronological order on this stuff at all, just kind of wherever my mind goes. Now, because be- earlier today, when I was thinking about mental health stuff and Marilyn Monroe, just the thought came into my mind that there are a lot of women I know who you, you can oversimplify their problem in life and saying they just got involved with the wrong guy. And, and yeah. if you look at Ma- Marilyn Monroe, you look at, wow, she had a lot of that going on. I mean, she only three marriages, as you talk about, but there was the rumors of affairs with the president of the United States, his brother, maybe uh, mob figures and all this stuff. A lot of bad men. Uh, and that started before she was even famous, right? She was uh, a troubled child. So yeah. all that, that taken yeah. account is that part of how you're applying this to uh mental health that, issues too. oh mental health issues so i think the the thing with mental health is one of the big messages and takeaways that we have is that there's a big correlation between um mental illness and addiction and a lot of creative people are very brilliant and they might have either a bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder and when you, they're very, very quite bright, but their minds, they can't, they can't shut off their minds. And so what happens is that they start to then try to numb it down. Like I got to just stop the noise. And so then they get into addiction and that becomes the real challenge. So you can separate them out. You don't have to have mental illness and have an addiction that correlate, but there is a very strong correlation between the two. So that's one. But the life themes that you have is you have a girl that's very fragmented and how you can get help, because really and truly, it's a, a miracle that she even made it to 36, let alone achieved the degree of stardom that she did. I mean, she really had to have a strong visualization technique <laughs> to be able to manifest the world that she wanted to be, which was a world of make-believe. But that make-believe world that she created, that character of Marilyn Monroe, also became the trap, entrapment, in which she also couldn't get out of. Hmm. Uh, you describe her as uh, very creative. I'm not, and I'm not judging at all. I'm just, it doesn't seem like she was, she seems like she was kind of following somebody else's creative lead most of the time. Was she ever like taking the initiative in creation, in the creative process in any oh, way? Oh, huge. So, so, so that's a really, see, I thought the same thing. So when I first learned about her, I thought she was the character Marilyn Monroe. Right. She was kind of ditzy and kind of, I mean, that dumb blonde. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. (laughs) Far from it. it, A very high IQ, uh, a library of about 400 books. And some of those books, believe me, would not be tabloids. Some of the most difficult books to read. She was extremely bright. She wasn't schooled, but she was extremely bright. Hmm. And loved to talk politics, loved smart men, loved men and loved philosophy loved metaphysics, loved spirituality, loved um, people, uh, very, very strong seeker of knowledge. See, I get that with the Arthur Miller connection, but when I think of Joe Joe DiMaggio, I'm like, well, he's just a dumb jock. (laughs) How could you find that inspiring? So here's the thing with Joe. Joe was extremely protective. And Marilyn Monroe came from a very fragmented uh, start. So you have a mom who had mental illness who couldn't take care of her. She was in about, you know, somewhere between 11 and 13, between orphanages and foster homes and going back and forth. She was physically and sexually abused. Her real father, biological father, 
never acknowledged her, wouldn't acknowledge her, actually turned his back on her. And so when you think about uh, 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 protection, and the one thing that Joe always did was protect her, protect her name, wanted to make sure that she wasn't harmed. Um, when she was in pain, Whitney, back then, I mean, it was pretty much, you know, those type of psychiatric hospitals were like going away and getting locked up. Mm. She was put in a padded cell. She had she went there voluntarily thinking she was going to get help and healing. And it became a really almost like a prison type experience. No phone, no contact, no anything. And all these people looking in the window, looking, oh, there's Marilyn Monroe kind of thing. Right. right. And so when you when she finally got a note out to um, some friends of hers who contacted Joe, Joe calls up the hospital and Dr. Chris, who was treating her at the time. And this is what he said. If you do not let her out by tomorrow when I'm there, I will take your hospital apart brick by brick. <laughs> so guess what? He had her back. And if I was Marilyn Monroe, given her fragmented childhood, I'd be like, Joe, you're somebody I can lean on emotionally. She, he, I think she felt safe with him, not in their marriage, but afterwards. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, thank you for explaining that. Now, her father did not. Uh, he disowned her in some way, but did he not even after she was rich and famous, like at some point didn't try to get back into life? Because we see that a lot with yeah. celebrities who had uh distant relationships with their parents, and once they got rich and famous, all of a sudden their parents wanted back in their life in some way. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Not in this case, he went on and he got married, he had another family, and he didn't want to have anything to do with her and never acknowledged her ever. So she was a, fair to say she was a troubled. A, a young person, even as a teenager or or so, do you know when? Because it, it's hard to even say this. I mean, addiction where it starts generally starts with alcohol, right? Even it can, can start as a, a teenager. But do we have the kind of biology of her? Uh, yeah, of her hers abuse? is more prescription um, drugs. She didn't drink that much, actually. You think that she does? People think she was drinking the day she died. She didn't drink at all. She had no alcohol in her system. Wow. Um, hers was an addiction to medication, prescription drugs, and you know when you talk about nine hundred pills, seven hundred of them, and then what happens when you are manic and you have bipolar? She has something called, uh, and I'm not a professional. I'm I'm taking what what. Gary has said, and he said, you know, she had something called mixed episodes. So you can be very high and you could be very low in a matter of, I don't want to say minutes, but a very short time. And so most people will say, but gosh, she was, she, I talked to her earlier in the day. She seemed so happy. And then somebody else would go, oh my gosh, you could barely answer the phone. Those are the kind of things in terms of mixed episode, but in terms of suicide, this is something that I didn't realize. I always thought that, you know, most people when they're going to commit suicide, it was a planned out event and you write out your note and you say goodbye to people. Come to find out that's not the majority of time. Sometimes when people are thinking about uh, taking their own life, especially when they're in drugs or alcohol, they can do it in a matter of five minutes to an hour. Hmm. There is no note. So That's interesting. Yeah. So if you think about Marilyn in regards to that day, she did not sleep well. She hadn't been sleeping well. She only had a little bit of a grapefruit that day, the whole entire day. And she has a huge amount of medication. And then you have the combination of nebutal and chlorohydrate. Chlorohydrate is what killed part of what killed Michael Jackson. So when you think about that in your system, 
those drugs, heavy narcotics combined, should never have been put together, ever, and have her be at the point of, because here's the thing, think about yourself. If you ever over-medicated yourself or over-drank one day, if you, it's not that difficult to then expand that notion of, well, you know what, I'm if I'm upset and then all of a sudden I have a bipolar or some kind of mental health disorder, and now I'm a, I have some type of, 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 you know, medication in my system that now is making me not as alert and now it's making me droggy. Who's to say that she didn't just say, hey, forget it like that and put him in her mouth? Because here's the thing that we do know. Marilyn Monroe did not die instantaneously. She died over a, a several hour period. So she kind of went into a coma and then passed away. She didn't pass away like that. Oh, boy. So many, uh, so many questions. So little time. <laughs> I talked to a lot of mental health professionals and a lot of people in the entertainment industry, both actors, comedians, and even musicians, too, that seem to be, a, I'm going to use the word, obsessed with the idea of mental health. And su suicidal ideation comes up a lot. And had a guy on who calls himself a mental health comedian, and basically his his whole quest in life is is helping people deal with suicide. And he basically says that until they have a plan, it's not really, nobody's really serious about it. Now, I, I hear what you're saying about Mar Marilyn, and I, I can't suppose, I'm just, because I can be there, and I'm definitely not a professional, so what I, but I'm just thinking she had to have, even if it's a spontaneous thing, like, uh, okay, I'm whatever, the, the moment, she got caught up in the moment, she had to have a plan on how she would do it eventually and had to have kind of, at least from all all the conversations that I had, at some point she had to verbalize what her plan would be if she ever got to that point. No, that that's not um, not in her case. And I would say that that person is based on my research is not always the case. There's a difference between being depressed depressed and thinking you're going to take your life when you have a mental health acute mental health issue like she had. It, it's game over because now you're talking chemistry. Chemistry isn't a rational thought. Do you see what I'm saying? So bipolar is a, a chemistry, whereas borderline is more trauma oriented. So if, if somebody is having a mixed episode, they may not be. And then they've got also prescription drugs that are heavily uh, sedating her. And she now becomes depressed because she's got that mixed episode. Well, if she waited an hour, she might not have done it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The chemistry thing versus... Now, let me just say this. She had attempted suicide before, but she always had kind of a, a way out of it. So it was kind of like a, a plea for help. So in this case, the medication got the best of her. Okay. It wasn't her intention. I don't think it was her intention I'm going to take my life. I don't think that's where she, she didn't go into the day going today's my day. I actually think she was, that's where people get confused because they think she was happy and she was strong and she's vibrant. She's taking her power back. I could have the best intention in the world thinking I'm going to do something, but if my chemistry's off, my emotions are off, the chances of me being able to achieve that may be much more difficult than if, you know, I'm having a rational thought of the fact that, I don't really want to be here anymore and I'm going to take my life. I don't think that's at all where she was coming from. 
Okay, it's so hard to get into the head of somebody yeah. who did it. But uh, for for the sake of the argument here, it seems like you are um, fairly certain that this was not a murder and it was a suicide. Well, no, no. That, no? Let me just say this. I'm, I'm still open, and I'll tell you why. Um, most of the, the Maryland real experts that know a lot about her will say that she, and the Maryland true fans will say that it's overdose or committed suicide. People that have known the kind of peripheral, like myself initially, would say, you know, she's probably murdered. Where the difficulty comes is in the actuality of the facts. So here's an example. I, I believed where the Maryland, you'll, you we're going into a special investigation, another one, because there's now been three or four other books that have come out since our last investigation. So now we're like, okay, there's something more to investigate here. And so when you look at the proof, a lot of what they're saying is hearsay. So here's one thing that nobody has really done before. And we have the photographs to actually prove it. So there's a lot of documentaries and books out there that talk about the Bobby Kennedy was there with Peter Lawford at her house in the middle of the day. Well, now what's happening is we're having some photos that are hard to really kind of, um, you know, uh, say that it's not hearsay. You see him on a horse with his family in the San Jose mountains with two other families. So wow. we're here to say Bobby Kennedy was at Marilyn Monroe's house at 3.30 in the afternoon that Saturday before she died. Do you see what I'm saying? So then what we're going to do in the in the special investigation series is we're going to put it up for the audience to see what is the actual fact. Here's just a probable theory so you can understand what the theory is. And then let me just tell you what's an outlandish rumor. An outlandish rumor is that she was pregnant before she died and that she was drinking the day she died. That's a total rumor. Didn't it, It's very easily provable. Yeah, well, that would be so. It's easily provable wrong. So it's a false yeah, but number. People, right? unfortunately, as of a couple of years ago in these docu series, what they do because you're talking sixty years ago. So if I look credible, if I, you know, I sound credible, and gosh, you know, you you live back in that day, you you know, and you say you knew Marilyn. Oh, you, guess what? You're going to be on my show. Right, but there's got to be an autopsy about the pregnancy thing. There's got to be an autopsy that proves. Believe that. it or not, as of two or three years ago, on a major cable television show, I'll give you, I'll give you two. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna badmouth other people. That's not my goal. But I will tell you, in two shows, one-hour documentaries on major cable networks, one-hour first one, eighty-one errors in a one-hour show because they launched it on a rumor and they kept on going with it. And the wow. second one that you think would be more credible was 42 errors. 42. Wow. wow. But that not that one. That one because that fascinating, isn't it? I mean, yeah, this is that, pretty fascinating. Somebody or somebody with a major network show got that one wrong because that's it seems like you just go to the MA, uh, the medical examiner and say, is this provable on the autopsy or not? Was she pregnant or not? That should be yes or no. They close. don't check. People don't check. They don't do their homework. They believe they put somebody on and they start talking. And this person who lived in Maryland's time did not represent her, but went on television as if he did. Right. You know, and so then it, it looks credible and it's hard to find people 60 years ago that can actually talk about Maryland. So, right, you know, right. yeah, she would be I almost know, 100 years old now, right? Now it's 96, 95, 96 years old. Now, yeah, right? she'll be 96 in June. Yeah. yeah. Or she would have been. 
<laughs> yeah. So that time was a, a really difficult time. That you know where I'm just I'm assuming it's not just a rumor that there was something going on with her and Ken, Jack Kennedy, right? There is one particular. Um, I'm not saying that they didn't have more interludes. The right. ones you can prove. And Robert, um, Ralph Roberts, her massage therapist, is the one that uh, drove her out to Palm Springs. Um, she made reference to it. He, she was on the phone with somebody. And so um, there is, they were there together at the same time. And they were at uh, Bing Crosby's house in uh, March of 1962. 62. So, 62, March of 1962. So it, it wasn't before... Before he was president, there was nothing uh, as far well, as... Well, there's rumors. There's rumors. But I'm talking about provable. I'm talking right. about provable. So so here's the thing, though. I do want to say that she has gone on record saying that she was not attracted to Bobby Kennedy. The thing is, she was attracted to powerful men. And I would say to you that JFK is a very likelihood, and given who JFK was, probably that... that that Let's just say that's most likely true. Okay. Based on what we know. Right. But Bobby Kennedy, she, the, here's the thing with Marilyn. She was a dichotomy. And so she becomes a very difficult person to try to understand. Yeah, you again. No, she does. I know. She is. She's hard to understand. But here's the thing it's kind of a, a weird thing with her. She did have affairs with married men. She did. But she knew Ethel Kennedy and she respected Ethel Kennedy. And the difference between that and she wasn't attracted to Bobby Kennedy. She didn't know Jacqueline Kennedy in terms of having any relationship with her. Ethel and Marilyn corresponded. Marilyn wanted a family of her own. So she respected family, but so it would have been very highly, highly unlikely that she and Bobby Kennedy would have had a thing given the fact she went on record saying she wasn't attracted to him. Whereas Bob, I mean, with JFK, she certainly was. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to put all this together into one, because she is such a complicated person. So, because yeah, I'm just going to go back. You said she wasn't much of a drinker, but we see her singing happy birthday to Mr. President. My mind is thinking she's drunk at that time. Is, is no, she, it was all not, planned. All she's planned. doing a Dean Martin act there. It is all planned. <laughs> Um, in this episode, this one that just uh, launched today, we deal with the Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe relationship because everybody butchers that in the media. And then we t talked a lot about happy birthday, Mr. President. There is pictures of her doing everybody, right? And she's going out like this. She's in her little poochy blouse and she's in her white, white, uh, white uh, capris and she's doing the rehearsal. Her being late was all part of the gig, the total gig that she was doing that night. Okay. It was all planned out. And most and everybody thinks that, including me, <laughs> this is a seduction to JFK because he shunned her and now she's singing this seductive. It was all planned out. See, okay, I can I can accept that, that it was all planned, it's all show business, but that doesn't drive with somebody who's got like family values and because again, it's <laughs> going out on television, you're kind of insinuating to all of America that you got the hots for a married man here in front of it's just a that, very was her, that was her character, and unfortunately she could she was she couldn't get out of that character. It's kind of you know, it's like people become imprisoned by their own kind of made up personas and then what happened is that she became enslaved to it 
because it's also what gave her the sense of being loved by the public. It gave her her creative craft. It gave her a sense of probably some sense of self-worth, but not really. You know, it's like when people try to put their self-worth in their looks and everything else. But but underneath that, she was this little girl named Norma Jean that just wanted to love and be loved. And just like all of us. And I think the weird thing with Marilyn is she has a very eclectic fan base. So she has the people that think, oh my God, she's a bombshell, what a glamorous woman. They're attracted to her beauty, men and women. And then you have the vulnerability. And, you know, Marilyn back in the day, you know, talking about you thought she was a follower. No, she was actually a leader. She stood up to studio heads. In this episode, you'll hear she stood up to Daryl Zanuck and she threatened to quit a picture because there was, quote, a picture of her and Hank Jones at this 5-4 club jazz club, a Negro back in the day, right? And you, as a studio head, he called her a commodity and he was threatening to, to fire somebody else on the set for bringing her to that jazz club. And she said, basically said, look, if he goes, I go. Wow. A lot of people do that. The other thing is most people don't realize she she is one of the first women along with Lucille Ball. Um, she did it with a male like Lucy did with her husband. She's one of the first people to have her own production company. Wow. I did not know that. I, I'm, I'm very well uh, <laughs> of Lucy's powerful uh, contributions to uh, both women in Hollywood and minorities in, in general in Hollywood and all that kind of stuff. I did not know that about Marilyn. Um yeah, so, the Hotel Dell. Um, Hotel Dell, she brought her traveling uh, maid with her, assistant. And um, she was African-American or Negro at the time. And at that time, the Hotel Dell Coronado, when she was filming Some Like a Hot, uh, they would not allow Black people in the hotel. And here it is, Some Like It Hot, that deals with gender. You know what I mean? And in terms of gender, you know, you can marry whomever you're going to marry. Right. I mean, that's really kind of pushing, pushing the limit back in 1958 when it was being filmed. Wow. Well, guess what? She tells the tells the 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 set manager says, look, you know what? Tell the manager of the hotel that Mrs. Miss Monroe, if you want her to be on this set, Ida Mae stays. Wow. Uh, you talked about her cast being uh, typecast and and that that person that she she became that persona that she played in the movies uh but my first any experience of her was through her very i think it was her last picture called the misfits and she was not that she was a very a very uh troubled and dark character in, in the misfits in a lot of ways and so that was my first experience as a young boy that's all i knew of marilyn monroe because that was the only picture i've seen until i was like 10 11 years old and then i saw some uh the seven year itch and some like it hot and that kind of stuff so i did not know about that other stuff but did that part of breaking out of that it it seems like obviously since that's her last picture and so close to her death it seems like it probably has some connection to what was going on with her but was that really a, a statement by her? In other words, she was trying to say, I'm not going to be that anymore? Yeah, it was. And and Arthur Miller wrote The Misfits for her for that very reason. Um, she wanted to be so badly. I mean, and this is another thing that she did. She left Fox to go to New York to study to become a serious actress. Mm-hmm. The height of her career. A lot of a lot of people don't do that. I think Matthew McConaughey a few years ago did it. He took an eighteen month or two two year hiatus. A lot of people don't. Oh my God, I got to keep working no matter what because I don't want to lose my fame. 
she risked the fame to go back to New York and to study and to become what she wanted to be, which is known as a serious actress. And, you know, she, if, if she would have, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. We, so sometimes are trapped by the very thing that we want. We think fame and power and all the celebrity is going to give us that happiness factor. And she realized that after she had it all, it actually didn't, it actually made her feel more empty. And so I think that's a lot of people that are famous and uh, oh trapped by that power and that fame, you know? And so I think she was no different by that. And so, you know, I think she wanted these things innately. So I don't think she was, she, she herself was not really a public figure. She loved the craft. She loves the creativity, but she created a monster, so to speak, because, you know, everywhere she go, she went, it was Marilyn, Marilyn, Marilyn. And, you know, you hear this today where she would just turn it on. She'd be, all of a sudden, you know, she could be in a, um, you know, uh, have a scarf on her head and sunglasses and walk down a street in New York and nobody would even know who she was based on her chemistry. And all of a sudden, I think it was, um, was it Paula or Susan Strasberg? But she said, look, you know what? I'll, I'll turn it on. She didn't change her outfit. Just the way that she walked, just the way that she presented herself, all of a sudden it was like she became a storm in Manhattan, you know? And so she knew how to turn on Marilyn Monroe. But right. that was not her, that was not, that was a character that she created. So look at the brilliance. That's a very difficult thing to do and have that comedic timing that she had. That was skill. That wasn't, Marilyn was a very soulful person. If you look at her, her poetry, very dark, very, I mean, there's a, there, it is not shallow at all. Right. And you wouldn't think that given the fact that, you know, you see her in some like it hot or seven year itch or gentlemen prefer blondes and you'd be like, okay, this girl's a little ditzy, but that's a character that she created. Right. Is she uh, the most um, influential um, media person, uh, entertainment person ever? Because uh, I'm, I'm thinking about what you were just saying and, and where we're talking about the generation that we have today that puts value on fame for the sake of fame, without the talent, without anything, without being famous for anything. In other words, they they just want that. They want to be Marilyn. They want to be that superstar that's recognized, but they don't even consider what for? Like, what am I going to add to the world that's going to make me celebrated in that way? But I think she is, and I'm not blaming her, but I'm saying she is the source of the culture that we live in today in a lot of ways in this idea that fame in itself is a worthy goal. Uh, just your comment. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, very much so what you're talking about in regards to her. I mean, I think if I were to say to, I had a, a, she was probably about 23 at the time, an intern a couple years ago. And I said, do you know who Tony Curtis is? And she goes, who? I said, do you know how Clark Gable is? I don't know. Do you know who Marilyn Monroe is? Yes. Yeah. So the thing that you have with Marilyn, she's global. She's huge. And you could be six or 96 and you know who she is. That's unheard of for a star that there was famous stars back then. Look at Clark Gable. I mean, he was the king of Hollywood. And yet, unless you you kind of grew up as a baby boomer, most generation millennials or Generation Z are not going to know who Clark Gable was. Absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah. definitely. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it's striking. So and you can even just say the word Marilyn without saying Monroe. And yeah, know, I mean, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, somebody was talking to me about, there's a, I, you might have even seen it there. I think it's a poster art now. It's just a squiggly line and you have her mole and a, like, you know, it just, and it looks like Marilyn, like it's mm-hmm. the shape of her, right? But it doesn't say Marilyn, but everybody kind of identifies it. It's almost like a Nike symbol. <laughs> right. Uh, so obviously her life ends in a tragedy, but in some ways, is it is there a a um, a success story some, of something that's bigger than out, that outshines the tragedy or is the tragedy the defining thing in her in her life? You know, I like to to look at it because I'm a transformative person and I think about the legacy of who she was or is in terms of her legacy and looking at her life now, all of her life. I think you have to look at where she came from to what she achieved. And if you look at it, she achieved more in her life than some people, five people in one life. Really and truly, she was able to overcome so much. The challenge was, is that I think if she would have lived in today's standards, she probably would have gotten the right help. I don't think that back then, the treatment that they gave um, gave people, it wasn't the right type of treatment. And then on top of it, um, you, you have somebody that was addicted. Doesn't matter, was addicted at that point. She had a hard time sleeping. And then that became her addiction. That's how she became addicted to it. So she would take, you know, back then, think about Judy Garland and stuff and some of these other actors. They would give them barbiturates to wake them up and they'd give them barbiturates or some type of downers to go to sleep. And that was norm. And that was the studio system back then. So they were, they were, you know, pushing it just as hard as everybody else was. Today it's changed, but unfortunately, we're in an epidemic of opioid and, and huge drug addiction. It's right. worse than it was back in 1962, you know? So what is, is it, that or is it just different? Because I, I, and I know what you're saying about her having 900 pills, but uh, my parents were of that generation and my grandparents were certainly of a generation before this. And I can tell you their medicine cabinets were, uh, that's what created the pill poppers of the sixties, the kid, the hippies who were getting, hooked on uppers and downers with grandma's medicine cabinet, not so much uh, <laughs> being prescribed it themselves. Now I think uh, there are kids getting prescribed opioids and stuff like that, but it's not, a, not a, your grandmother doesn't have a, a medicine cabinet of free thousands of dollars of worth of street drugs in there. So, well, that's where the extremity I think has come because now they're much more serious. They're not yeah, just, right. you know, your grandmother's medicine camp, <laughs> a lot more stuff that is a lot more harmful, especially with these teenagers. And you think about back when, you know, you're experimenting when you're a teenager and you're trusting, Oh yeah, sure. I'll live forever. Yeah. Let me try that. You know, and you don't realize that you, you, you mix that with alcohol and you don't wake up the next morning. You know right. what I mean? So it's it's serious. It's much more serious than maybe you and I when we were growing up. You know, I remember my my grandmother had a like what like a tic tac thing full of lithium. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And I was like five or six years old. I almost ate a couple of them because I thought it was going to be candy or something. Oh wow! Wow! And, and yeah. they weren't childproof caps or anything. And and this, well, then, this is definitely of that era when Marilyn. Old yeah. Dude, so. Yeah. And so, you know, you would, that would be normal to do that. And right. so today it wouldn't be so normal, but you know, there there's, 
you know, it would be uh, naive to think that celebrities aren't, uh, you know, doing uh, traveling doctors, so to speak. Well, this doctor won't give it to me. I'll go to this doctor, you know. So right. She so did it too. Later in life, obviously, she had this kind of, uh, towards the end of her life, she had this desire to be taken more seriously and to shed that image that she had put up. But do you get into at all what, what really drove her uh, to be who she was? Was it was it fame? Was it money? Was it not money? Mr. Right? <laughs> it's not money. Not money, money was not on Maryland's. I mean, but she, she came from poverty. No, she came from poverty and she didn't. Um, Joe DiMaggio gave her five thousand dollars as a down payment to for a house. It's unfortunate, but Marilyn actually did not die with a lot. However, you know, when you look at, you have Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley, then Marilyn Monroe in terms of dead celebrities. Both Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson have very huge music libraries. And yet she's number three in line in terms of the states because Marilyn didn't have a publicity clause. So you, that's why you see her in a lot of commercials and stuff, right? So you can't necessarily use her name or you can't do merchandise, but you can use the likeness of Marilyn Monroe because she didn't have that, like a, a Johnny Cash or Elvis Presley or Michael Jackson. So you can't just use his image in a commercial. So when you look at that and her ability to make a lot of people a lot of money after her death, unfortunately, she didn't see a lot of it. Right, yeah. She's like Jesus in that way. I mean, I'm not. I, I know Christians are gonna go like, yeah, "Oh, wait, that's blasphemy to even say that." I mean, the the fact that people can just use their image or uh, w- without actually having to ask anybody, I could just put up a picture, and it means. Well, I mean, as long it, as it's a it's a general uh, publicity picture, but if it's you know a photographer that you're using his photographer, right, right, like right. Uh, Douglas Kirkland, who's still alive, or the Shaw family, that would be a different story. I'm talking. Right, about but you could caricature it in your own and. It, the, and people would know immediately like who yeah. it's supposed to be. And it is that powerful well, icon of a marketing tool. Our actress who plays um, Marilyn Monroe, her name is Erin Gavin. She's a very, very talented actress. She's played her on stage. She has resemblance. She doesn't look exactly like Marilyn Monroe. She's got the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the essence of her. Very sweet like Marilyn was. Very vulnerable and very... Uh, it's not childlike. She's not childlike. But see, Marilyn appeared childlike but she also was very smart and so is this one i mean she's very smart as well she's a scottish actress and so you know the interesting thing is that on our website you have pictures of her and some of them you look at it as that picture of douglas kirkland i was telling you about the one the very famous one that she's in bed with the sheets right? right well she did a whole photo shoot for somebody and you could use that and it looks people would think oh that's Marilyn, or it looks like Marilyn. You're not going to go, oh, what is she doing in the bed with sheets? It's going to be as if she's playing Marilyn Monroe. So. Wow. Uh, where am I here? Audio book. There we are. Uh, so I'm just going to show a couple of pictures from the website here now because yeah. the, the website is it's uh, behind behind the behind icon. The icon. Yeah, behindtheicon.com. Yeah. And uh, so this is actually Marilyn. These, these yeah, that's people. Marilyn. That yeah. is Marilyn. And that's Marilyn, too. That's, that's- Marilyn. Yeah, that's Marilyn too. In the Soul Sisters with Aretha Franklin, is that not? not no, that's Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald, okay. Yeah, Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> Aretha Franklin, Ella Fitzgerald, and um, Marilyn these, Monroe. Yeah. So these are uh, obviously 
licensed photos. So you'd have the photo face would have. Yeah, to be- that's that's um that's the books from uh, okay. Gary Vitaka Roble. So he licensed those for. Um, wow. Yeah, he licensed those photos as well as that picture there that you see. That is the Maryland photo you have to license as well. So, you know, and- there are there are photos you have to license of Maryland, and then there's um you know public domain photos that that are out there that I think it was um. Chanel that uses a photo of Marilyn that's that is general use. Right. Uh and there's an Andy Warhol thing that gets used a lot too or it's something that looks Warhol-ish. I don't know if it actually is an Andy Warhol stuff, but it's mm-hmm. used in a lot of advertising with her. It's definitely her, but uh it doesn't seem like it's a photograph of her and I think people get away with using that all the time too. Yeah. So tell me now the the podcast and the television uh show they're two separate projects so this this that you're seeing up on the screen right now is all of her life it's a dramatic podcast with a behind the scenes commentary kind of like what you and i are talking about right now and what we do is it's dramatic so it's almost like you're in the scene with her right so it it, it definitely humanizes her and i think people have a very different impression of her versus when you go into it the docu-series though deals with mental health addiction the investigation of Marilyn Monroe and how that affects not only people today, but the celebrity of today and the fame and power. So we have a, a wonderful human being and uh, a, another life coach. His, his name is Tim Story, who has uh, been a life coach to major stars like um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. when he was before he made his comeback. Uh, I mean, you know, Charlie Sheen he's worked with. I mean, he's worked with mega stars like Kanye West. Um, he's worked with Brad Pitt. I mean, we're talking, you know, a lot of, lot of stars in this case. And so we're also bringing it into today's society because we're still dealing with a, a very big epidemic, given the fact that the pandemic is not over. Unfortunately, we've got the second tier of the fallout of this, and this is called mental health addiction and suicide is up about a hundred. And what is it? Uh, it was at 30% last month. It's almost closer to 40% this month, 40%. Wow. Suicides rate is up 40%. That's terrible. That's you know, terrible. and if you think about when you, like on my newsfeed, I see somebody 30 years old, 14 years old, committed suicide, overdosed, et cetera. So I, I really do think we have, it's a systemic problem. And there's something in our system with all these resources out there. And yet something's not connecting here. Right. Uh, part of... I don't want to get too conspiracy theorist here, but because a lot of this, it's just the dawn of the conspiratorial uh, thinking age. Is this uh, Marilyn's death, and then right after that, uh, John F. Kennedy's death. Uh, shortly after that, and I had a guest on who actually lives in Peter Lawford's old house, and we were oh, talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Naomi Grossman. She's a an actress. She's in. Uh, she's best known as Pepper on the FX series. What's the, what's the name of the series? I forget the name of the series now. Anyway, she's living in, in Lawford's house, and we were talking about the... Uh, Parties? The, <laughs> yeah, the right uh, Rat Pack and, and, oh, yeah. and Sinatra cutting cutting Lawford off because uh, Lawford would not deliver him uh, messages from Kennedy or so or, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that all, all this that stuff is very conspiratorial. It, it, it kind of... This is where the... The genesis of the mindset of America that we're in right now with everything the grand conspiracy started in 1962. <laughs> well, you know, you did it. And there's a book out there that really is another conspiracy theory. And so here's the thing. 
if you look even in the media of today, it's very conspiracy oriented. But if you think about it, there's fact, there's theories, and there's this outlandish rumor all happening. And unfortunately, we then got the social media effect, which then magnifies it in a viral. Like, so everybody's thinking something's truth. And we go around believing whatever we're going to believe, whether it's true or not. And I, I think to some degree, there's probably in conspiracy theories, there's a little bit of truth in there. The key is it may not be the whole truth. <laughs> right. No, I have I have no doubt. See, this is where it gets uh, really complicated for me because I try to explain my position on on this stuff a lot. I have no doubt that conspiracies actually happen in the real world. I think they're smaller than most people want to make them out to be because we have this tendency to, to include mm-hmm. a wide net with conspiracy theories. And then uh, people who put the unknown they in there like we're gonna i'm gonna blame them they, they there's always that guy behind who's they, they. Name them. <laughs> and then the second part is uh not even rumor and stuff it's a mad i imagine i think i know what the answer is and i'm gonna put that out there and do everything i can to prove the the imagined conclusion or a solution to the whole puzzle that I came up with. I'm going to go looking for evidence to support my imaginary solution rather than just follow the facts and say, where do, where do the facts? Yeah, exactly. Are? And it's hard right now because when somebody has a belief system to try to change them up for that belief system to be open-minded is a hard part. So for example, when I'm doing, and I'll probably have to go into it again when we do the special investigation series, but when I was doing our first investigation series around Maryland, I was so blown away. The reason why you can't get to the truth, it's very similar to the Democrats and the Republicans. They 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 do this, okay? So you have the people that think she was murdered, and then you have the people that think that she overdosed or committed suicide. And they just call each other names. They don't, right. they don't collaborate to go, well, wait a minute here. The reason why this person's saying that is because you can't answer the question. So maybe we should look at the question and try to answer it and then decide whether it maybe it's not true. It could be a probable theory. And if it's an outlandish rumor, then people get to either decide to believe it or not. But we don't do that, not only in the Maryland story, but out in the media today. It would be like you and I commenting and me not telling you the difference between a fact and a probable theory. And so now you're thinking that I'm just telling you the truth. Right. <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, from your perspective, and I know you're not here to bash people, and I'm not asking you to do that, but I just want to get your perspective on uh, people. There have been Marilyn imitators in the last 60 years since she's died, and people who have... Um, co-opted her image more I'm, I'm thinking of madonna i'm thinking of courtney love and people like this who who and uh forget the there was a, an actress who had a lot of television uh stuff going on in in the late 90s i can't think of her name now but women who have co-opted her image did they, did they do justice to it or they did did they bastardize it in a lot of ways because it doesn't seem like madonna's um portrayal of the Mar- Marilyn character was fair to the true person that Marilyn was. Just yeah, to- and I, I think she was probably trying to be Marilyn-ish, but I don't know if she was, I mean, I think she did the Madonna take on Marilyn. Right, Diamonds are a girl's best friend, or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, Diamonds uh, are a girl's best friend. Girl. I mean, she, she, she played off it, but I don't think 
I think where some people, true Maryland fans, there's impersonators and then there's actresses and performers. And I would put Madonna in a performer uh, category. I think there are a lot of actors and actresses, not actors, but actresses that actually love Marilyn Monroe, obsessed with her. So Cal Sally Kirkland, who knew? She was a, you know, not, you know, uh, an Oscar uh, actress back in the day. She's 80 years old. And she told me recently, she goes, Nina, I was obsessed with Marilyn. I actually played Marilyn in some TV movie. And then she said to me, she goes, I was that Payne Whitney and I was given Nebutal too. I was like, wow. I mean, very similar kind of, you know, uh, that, that kind of creative, very, you know, mental health, you know, giving those heavy barbiturates back in the day. Right. So you do have, you have Naomi Judd that played her um, at one point was, was her. So you that was very good. Yes. Yeah. You have a lot of actors and actresses. You have Myra, Mariah Carey, the singer who has Marilyn Monroe's in the behind the icon uh, seventh episode is called the white piano. You get to see where Marilyn's white piano came from and why it meant so much to her. So as a child, and then she bought it back as an adult. And now Mariah Carey has actually her white piano you know, wow. and named her, her child Monroe. <laughs> so, wow. Very you know. cool. I did not know that. Yeah. So as this, uh, because you had a very active and very successful life before you got involved in this, as this, taken over your life this whole Marilyn uh... Marilyn does she's a big personality and so she's complex and the challenge with it is is because you have not just one project you have multiple projects so it, it what she's in your life she's kind of there and it's it's kind of interesting because you you know I don't want to get too woo-woo but it almost like you can feel her and what I've noticed when people are working on the projects they come onto the project and then they start seeing Marilyn everywhere Right. And it could be the fact that now she's in your psyche, but now you see her everywhere. And a lot of times she really is. So it's hard to say, oh, I'm going to put Marilyn to, I, I wonder what I'm going to do when these, po with these podcasts and the docuseries is over. And I actually put this to bed and I go, wow, you know, I'm done with Marilyn, but will I ever be? She'll probably be a little bit a part of me. Uh, and and I, I, I'm really excited that I've gotten to, I don't know anybody like I know Marilyn. I don't, I used to back in my old life, I used to uh, interview celebrities and I don't care if you're the president of the United States or you're the janitor, it's more of an interesting story, but here's the thing. I don't know that much about anybody and I know more about her than I would, I, than I probably even want to know, but, right. but you know, now that I know it, I'll, you know, I, I think she'll always have a special place in my heart. And I, I really, I think she was a troubled soul. I think that she was a creative soul. I think she was a deep soul. And I think, you know, if I could do her legacy well, I think that Marilyn, at the end of the day, wanted to be loved and to love. And in today's world, we need that more than anything. All and right. so if Soul Sisters is a sweet kind of uh, message about that we're actually much more similar than we think we are. And Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe looked very different and yet they were very similar. And so right. I think we're more similar than we think we are. I hope so. I mean, that's a good message for this. I don't think there's anybody because, you know, and we've had so many great icons where you, you talked about them, Elvis Presley. Uh, I mean, in, in the entertainment world, Michael Jackson, the Beatles, James, uh, James Dean, yes, sorry, senior <laughs> moment there. I think we're or, without a, a rebel without a cause. But Maryland, and when I think about it, my very first television show, uh, I was basically doing a uh, 
series on death and dying and have those those moments when one death can really um, affect culture in a big way and one life can really affect a culture in a big way. I can't think of anybody who's had more of an influence on the world we live in today than Marilyn Monroe. Maybe a few that have had close to the same amount, but nobody who's had more. And especially from uh, women's issues, if you talk about, I mean, to the case, uh, if you talk about what, how young girls especially can uh, look at uh, the, the challenges they face with women's rights and stuff and some of the psychological stuff that young girls get caught up in with, uh, you know, the wrong guy. And that's what I was thinking about. Her uh, her situation with the wrong guy just ended up with the wrong guy. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot yeah. of women. <laughs> oh yeah, it, that it's very true, you know, and it, it speaks to you know emotion. You know, if you heal yourself emotionally, you're going to start picking better people, you know, man or woman. But right. I think the key here is, you know, she had a very very big abandonment issue, so that that became the challenge, and then she wasn't treated properly for back in the day. So now you you know you're kind of creating this vicious cycle that's only perpetuating. We had a psychiatrist on our our um, show that was talking about these 900 pills. And unfortunately what she was given actually made her situation worse and her insomnia worse. And so she was more and more like, you know, could you imagine not getting sleep, not eating properly and taking all this medication and the amount of medication speaks to her tolerance level too. Yeah. Uh, 900 pills is just unfathomable. I can't even imagine. Three months before she passed. And we all, we have all those prescriptions. So, mm. you know, it's, it's very much the, 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 you know, going back to our original topic, when we were talking about, it's a complex story and the challenge with it's painstaking because you get something and you think it's true because it sounds true. It looks true. It could be true. Right. And then you under, you kind of, you know, look under the rocks all times and you're like, okay, something's not adding up here because she was in New York and they're saying that she was here. Or, you know what, you know what I'm saying? When you, when you really put the facts together. It's Too so many times people get that, but because they want it to be true, they'll ignore it. And well, I think I've come, I've come to the fact I've come to the notion and I used to not think this. And I'm wondering, you know, Meryl in this story, the reason why it has so many legs, it's a great story. You've got politics, you've got a sex symbol, you've got, power you've got politics you've got family men and you've got a death all rolled into one it's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a greek uh tragedy it's a greek you know it's a, people it's, don't really want to know i wonder if people want to know the truth that yeah no i i agree so or, or they want to believe that whatever they their version of the truth is and that that's all that matters to them so perception is reality right yeah <laughs> Great stuff. Listen, I'm going to be checking out the podcast and the television show. I'm very interested in this stuff and even more so tonight uh, now than ever. So, Oh, uh, that's great. And I, I just really appreciate uh, you having me on and being able to talk to your fans and your audience as well. And it's, it's, it's always fun to kind of do a deep dive into Maryland. So, yeah. So, uh, and so beyond, beyond the icon, it.com it's all up there. Is, is yeah. it all? It's all there. So behind the icon, that's the podcast. The docu series is going to become out later in the year, 
And that one is going to be just mainly about the investigation and the the two other themes in it are about mental health and addiction and really applying that. And also the celebrity of today and how does that apply to our own healing of the world? So I think that's also when I say world, meaning people that have this issue, not the world at, at large, but yeah. you know, really applying that to today. Because I think, you know, there are really great lessons and you've got uh, myself, you've got Tim Story, you've got some people, you've got Gary Vitaka Robles involved in these projects in this project that particularly that I really think there's a lot of hurting people. I'm not, you know, Marilyn is, is a symbol of a lot of wounded people out there and she has a heart. And I think that is what resonates today. And so again, I go back to that message. Marilyn just wanted to be loved and to love. And I think with technology taking over and so much chatter, we kind of lost our heart. You know, and oh, so yeah. that if we can get back to that and utilize that kind of simplicity, that childlike quality that she had, um, I think that, you know, that's a message for all of us, not just, you know, not her life, but for other people's lives that are still living. Yeah. Let her legacy be used for something that's really much better than just exploitation. Yeah. Good stuff. Let's leave it there. Please do come back sometime, especially uh, okay. if you want, you want to talk more about this subject. I love this subject, but whatever you got going on, I love it. That sounds great. I love it. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for being here and be well. Until I you meet again. Bye. Nina Bosky, folks. Uh, wow. Uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, Marilyn just wanted to be loved. Don't we all? Very, uh, I think. Part of, and, and I'd love to hear your comments, info at minddogtv.com. My big takeaway from this is uh, the addiction stuff, uh, number one. And we kind of talk about this a lot, how, especially in the creative uh, field, that a lot of people are brought up with the idea or the concept that it's part of being a, an artist. It's part of the artist mindset. You have to be up you have to be down. You have to be able to kind of put the right chemistry together for the right moment artificially. And I think a lot of the lessons that we've learned, uh, for especially the people in the creative arts, is you don't need to do that to, to be your most creative, your most effective at your art, your craft, whatever it is. You don't necessarily need to be medicated in, in a lot of ways. But I think she probably grew up as so many of us did, the jazz aids, the rock and roll aids, that idea of glorification of uh, substance abuse as a path to being creative. Love to hear your questions and comments. There's so much very complicated uh, person, personality, uh, persona, icon, one of the greatest icons uh, there is. So love to hear you again. Love to hear your questions and comments about it. Info at minddogtv.com. Join me for uh, Coffee with the Dog in the morning. Mike McFarlane, the heavy metal comic, will be with me. And then tomorrow night at 8 p.m., T. Haberstead, the uh, godfather of punk comedy, will be with me. T- Double comedy day, heavy metal comedy in the day, punk comedy at night. Uh, so until then, I'm Matt Apple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your night. And bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen 